Welcome to another episode of the Dinner Table Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine. And I'm Holly. Are you a host as well? <laughs> you gotta start saying a... Am I, I a host? Yes. I feel like this is your podcast. No, it is not my podcast. <laughs> we're only three Anyways, episodes in. Uh, no, um, Yes, I'm also a host if we have to give formal titles. Um, yeah, I'm Holly. And we're actually coming yeah. to you from Holly's bed because... This is the most comfortable place to be right now, and it's just a more intimate conversation we're going to have today. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about what made Holly Holly. No, well, I wouldn't say that all that. <laughs> what made Holly okay. a mom? What made Holly a mom? Um, I think this will resonate with um, a lot of people. I'm not going to say a whole lot, but a lot. Um, I was a teen parent. I got pregnant at 15 and had Catherine at 16, and... Not in the most conventional way. Not as what I say, the statistic of teen pregnancy. So, as I said, um, I was the teen mom statistic. I'm a part of the teen mom statistic, but I don't consider my situation um, of how I became a teen mom much of the typical part of the statistic that makes sense so Catherine of course knows the story I've been very open with her and um our entire family and I'm sure there are lots of people that have uh their own um additions to the story because there were a lot of people there the day that Catherine was born (laughs) I know a couple other um additions to it and I will add those little tidbits in as we go along correct um But you wanted to talk about it. No, I wanted to talk about it because it's a good um, foundation for where it all started. We wouldn't be here today if she didn't become a mom. um, As a teen. As a teen or (laughs) period period. at all because she really didn't want to be a mom. And look at her now. Ha, 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 ha. And I think that's, well, I think that was never how I wanted my story to go well I think a lot of people but I I resonate I think and you could tell me if you agree or don't agree but I feel like I resonate with you when you're when you're that age especially us too um when you're young like that you don't want to be a mom because you're raising your siblings right so that's a whole nother piece to the story yeah well that's a whole nother thing but like that's kind of why you didn't want to be a mom I didn't want to be a mom when I met Isaiah and I was like I hate children because I raised my dad's kids right when I was there and so it was a lot and I was just like no I would never do that I think I so just to some backstory about myself is I'm pretty introverted but I'm also um an extroverted introvert I guess you might say so I'm really selective about who I put myself around and the story of my life has been one of craziness at times but beautiful and chaotic and and just, I think just from my childhood all the way up until now, um, I think my life has just been, um, like most people's, we all have our ups and downs, but definitely an interesting roller coaster. And becoming a mom was one of those things, but it also, I think, shaped the direction that my life was meant to go in. Because um, they always say, God makes plans. Don't make two, don't make plans because God has his own. Um, so I think that's interesting. So, yes. So how shall we start? Well, I was born on June 3rd, 1998. So we got to go back to that um, day. Well, oh. yeah, I think um, we can. Four o'clock in the well, afternoon. Well, let's go back to when you found out and how you found out you were pregnant. So I'll just backstory to how um, your dad and I came to be your parents well don't go too far <laughs> i won't go too far but I'll i just, think it's just but it's, i think i'll it's just preface good... with the fact that we grew up from each across the street from each other i was um his neighbor we were neighbors for like five years i think um our families did a lot of activities together we were both um we grew up in both in athletic families um, my mom and stepdad were very active parents um we rode dirt bikes together we are our, our Bottom line is our family spent a lot of time together um, and separately and individually. And he he comes from a family of four children and I come from a family of four children. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how that was. We, um, he is a year younger than I am. um, And 
I really couldn't stand him oh, <laughs> growing up. I was annoyed by him. He reminded me of my brothers. And he was um, a young player. <laughs> yeah. He kind of yeah. had a player He had a player reputation, mentality reputation, and reputation. Reput- and I am one of, I didn't have any boyfriends growing up. I had one boyfriend that Mimi let me go to the movies with when I was a freshman. Um, and that was about it, really. I was not interested in... I mean, of course, I was like, ooh, that guy's cute or whatever. But never was I interested in in having sex before marriage. That was kind of my own goal. I was like, I'm never going to have sex before marriage. Do I even want to get married? I have no idea. But I was goal-oriented, very focused on going to college, having a career, being very independent. Because if you knew my childhood and my preface before I got pregnant, life was a little rocky sometimes. So anyways, that's a whole nother story, a whole nother time. But your dad and I um, bonded that particular time frame uh, when I got pregnant. We bonded over a lost friend. And by lost, I don't mean she passed away or anything like that. But she was my best friend and he became close with her. They actually, if you want to call it dated, dated. Um, And she was not just the typical best friend. She practically lived in my house. I mean, she had a single dad who was raising her. and, And that summer, she abandoned us. And your dad, I think, was heartbroken. I was heartbroken. My whole family, all of our, his family, my family were like, what happened to Tammy? Like, she went off the grid. She went crazy and started hanging out with people and grew up fast with people that we weren't used to hanging around with. And we were, like, trying to figure out why she wasn't returning calls. And, I mean, honestly, we would, like, even cry about it together because we mm-hmm. were sad. But anyways... I think um, one time he mentioned to my stepbrother, oh, I think I like Holly or something. And my stepbrother Jake was like, you don't like Holly. Like, leave her alone. You're crazy. Like, and I was like, ew, can't stand him. Um, Anyways, and one. Somehow it happened. Yes, but I do like to say this is so inappropriate. So okay, closures. well, let's not go there, Mom. That's too much. You don't have anyways, to go there. Anyways, it happened. So it happened. What happened. Yes. However we want to say it, whatever. A baby was created. Yes, a baby was created. I continued on. um, No, when did you find out? Because I was was practically maybe created in like September. August. Oh, okay. August, September. Whatever. So um, when did you realize you missed your period or something Like five months in, if I do calculations. Because what I thought was... My period didn't stop. What I thought was I was having a period, which I know now as a nurse that that's not what was happening. I was just having spotting every month. Mm-hmm. But I had what I thought was a period for months, and all of a sudden, one it just stopped. And so I took myself, not knowing I had private health insurance, I took myself to the clinic that was had just been built down the street from our house. And I went in there, and I said to the nurse, like, I'm here because I think that I'm pregnant. And they said, okay. And they are a community health center so that is when pardon me community health really was like just getting started where they were trying to combat teen pregnancy those were the years that girls were having babies some listeners may know girls were having babies during that time and throwing them in trash cans they were having them in proms I mean crazy things were happening with teen moms back then and so I went and the lady said she put me in the room and she said well, I'm going to give you a urine test. So she did. And uh, she comes back. She goes, you're pregnant. And I'm going to go get the ultrasound machine and the health center um, advocate to give you your options. And I ran out of there while she was gone. I thought, hell to the no. <laughs> my parents were going through a divorce, my mom and my stepdad. And it was really gnarly. And I was like, I have to tell somebody. But I didn't want to tell your dad because I could give two less craps about him like we were just neighbors neighbor friends and I didn't I wasn't interested in pursuing anything with him and he wasn't either he was off doing his own thing um and I was scared and because of how gnarly the um, breakup between my parents was I was terrified to tell my mom so every time I tried to tell my mom she would be crying and things would be going on and it was really 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 a bad time so I the time never came so I'm gonna go ahead and just step in so she never told anyone not a friend not a mother not a father not a my father 
no one. Not a so, single soul that were, I was pregnant. So you were five months when you found out. So you went yeah. another four months with not telling anyone after right. you knew. Trying. I did. Well, you I attempted, to, yes. But. Yes. So how I learned of even like a potential due date was I volunteered at the senior center because I'm on this road to I'm going to college. Mm-hmm. I'm getting good grades. I'm playing sports. I'm doing all the things I need to do. And I'm at the senior center and across from the senior center is the library. So I said, I'm just going to walk over there and see if I can find a book, like something that can tell me. So I looked and I only had intercourse one time. So I just looked at the little calendar in the book and it told me that you would be due sometime between May 26th and June 14th. So I was like, okay. But it's crazy because when you're going through something like that, you're so in denial in a way like I was just like I knew it was gonna happen but it's almost like I could describe it now as like an out-of-body experience like you were just going through the motions of day-to-day living and praying for the day that this is all gonna be over with in a subconscious way and so in my mind I'm going like if I look back I, I don't ever remember saying this but I just remember thinking Never thinking about the pregnancy. Never thinking about there's a baby. Mm-hmm. Never thinking. Just thinking whenever this time comes, I'm just going to go to the hospital and let them do whatever's going to happen. Because I don't know. I didn't. I had the same doctor my parents had. Given my, We had the same doctor who saw my mom, my dad. He was a family practitioner. Now, if there's something wrong with me, it's because she didn't take care of me. And when I was in fact, when you were No, but what's funny is that I remember thinking I'll be okay because I work out. I walk everywhere. I exercise. I work out, exercise. I just said that. Um, I eat really well. Like, I never, I don't do drugs. I don't smoke cigarettes. I'm not, you know. Did you ever have fine. any pregnancy symptoms no ever at all never Mm -mm. no but I now looking back I remember telling Mimi that I didn't want to eat eggs or bacon anymore because the smell of eggs and bacon grossed me out and now when I know now Mm -hmm. I'm like I was obviously a pregnancy symptom or side effect um because I I was completely a food food yes totally food aversion to eggs and bacon and I didn't eat them for years would you say that one of your uh, feelings was being scared at all? Of, like, repercussions? Yes. Everything? Yes. Giving birth? Did you even no. think about giving nope. birth? Nope. Never thought about giving birth. I was so zoned out that, okay, so I swam 60 laps the day before you were born mm-hmm. in the pool because I was going to try out for the swim team. This is like the part of delusion that I look back and go, oh, my God, it was clearly mm-hmm. delusional. Um, and so I swam 60 laps and I went home and I told Mimi, oh, my gosh, I just she's like, you don't look so good. And I'm like, yeah, I have like the worst headache, mom. I don't feel good. And she was like, OK. And I was just feeling just not good. And she was like, well, you don't have to go to school tomorrow because you just don't look good. Like she thought I had like the flu or something. So I'm like, OK. And I went to bed early that night and I remember waking up at midnight and nobody was home. And I remember sleeping on the couch and I woke up to contractions. I woke up to this severe pain that sat me straight up in my bed or in the, on the couch, sat me up without, I was thinking, geez, these abs are real working. Like all the work I had been doing on my abs was really. With a baby inside With a baby. I did. I you did, had abs. Mm-hmm. No, I <laughs> did. I did. No, I know, but you didn't have abs. No, no, no. But I'm just thinking, wow, I like it was that strong of a punch that, you know, and I don't think I even thought I'm in labor. Is that weird? So I, because I didn't know what labor was. My mom had Juliet um, when I was 13. So I, I knew she was pregnant. I know I saw her pregnant. You know, I knew what that was like. I wasn't there the day Juliet was born because I was in school, but I heard this birth story, but... And actually, that day she took me to school, her and Aunt Ruthie, and she was having contractions when they took me to school. And then they went and had breakfast, and she said they went away. Anyway, side note. Um, squirrel. Um, so, so that day, so I woke up in the middle of the night with those contractions, and I basically labored. I'm, now what I know, I labored all night. And about 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.30, I went to the bathroom and I wiped and had a bloody show is what they call it. It's when your mucus plug comes out. 
And I went, I said, I got to tell my mom. And she happened to be on the phone with your dad's mom. And they were going to be having coffee later and that day. And this is June 3rd. And this is June 3rd, 1998. And the last day of my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I had walked two miles in labor the day before. Because I was having pains the day before. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they were labor pains. So, and I walked and finished my Spanish final, my biology final, <laughs> and walked, you know, miles and uh, went home after I swam those laps, didn't feel good. So, yeah, that next day I told Mimi, I said, I'm not, I said, well, I'm, I'm bleeding. I didn't know what bleeding meant. So I was like, I've got to tell my mom. So I went out there and you know, Mimi, my mother, just side note, my mother is she scares me (laughs) she will kick your ass if you're her kid that's just who she is she's very firm about things and stubborn so she said I said I'm gonna go out here my mom's gonna kill me but it was weird because a presence came over the room and I said she's on the phone with Laura and I said mom and she said yes and I said I need you to hang up the phone and she goes and I would have never spoke to her like that I don't tell her nothing and she says, okay, very calmly. And I said, she said, Laura, I'll call you back. And then she hung up the phone and she said, yes. And I said, I'm pregnant and I'm bleeding. And she said, okay, just like that. I was like, this is odd. It was like the twilight zone. And she goes, okay, all right. Um, show me, show me your stomach. And lift your shirt. So I lifted my shirt and she goes, oh, honey, that happened to me. You're about five months and you have a UTI. (laughs) It happened to me. she said you had a kidney infection or something. Something like that. UTI kidney infection. She goes, it happened to me when I was pregnant with you. Don't worry. Don't worry. But listen, the ER is going to, they're going to, they're going to, we need to get you back and get checked out. So we're going to go to the ER and you just tell them that we already knew you were pregnant. Like that you're okay. Like don't, cause they're going to want to work through that. But you, you have this UTI, this kidney infection. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get that taken. So I said, okay. And I thought we had a kidney infection. <laughs> so she took me to the emergency room. We walked through the door and obviously the triage nurse at the desk knew what the hell we were there for because she said, OB. And that was it. And they put me in a wheelchair and wheeled me to OB. She didn't ask what the hell was going on. Nothing. And Mimi likes to say that that moment is when you, like, dropped. Like, when you when you saw that I was pregnant. Like, my mm-hmm. stomach actually came out. Because what's weird is I carry my children in my back. Mm-hmm. So you don't see. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a pronounced pregnancy. So, and I only gained eight pounds with you and you were seven pounds three ounces so you're welcome yeah so i mean i could attribute that to great exercise and oh, great body i attribute it to being neglected <laughs> in the womb. you were never neglected i ate so well i was such a good what eater. about the prenatals and you're right i mean knowing and, and so uh, anyway so that's we'll why i'm not that. a harvard graduate move on because we didn't have prenatals move on i actually took vitamins at that time mimi always fed at us that, that moment did you feel scared to give birth no oh i walked in there you're gonna laugh because i walked in there i had my op shorts on i, I said i gotta take a shower and mimi's like of course so i walked in there it's 10 o'clock in the morning and i said i had my op corduroy shorts my big bulky sweater it's 106 outside don't know why i have a big bulky sweater my Adidas tennis shoes and my long softball socks. And I walk in there and the nurse and uh, obviously in the OB, they get me out of the wheelchair. They put me in the room to check me. And the nurse goes, Mimi tells her, you know, we're here. Like she didn't know she was pregnant. I didn't know she was pregnant. We we're finding this all out right now. And the nurse goes, okay, well, I've got to check you. So she slams her arm up into my pelvis <laughs> and, and I, had never had a check before anything like that. And I just remember going uh, like yeah. gasping and she goes, well, you're dilated to four. We're having a baby today. And that is when fear set in. <laughs> because then she can't, uh, Mimi said, I gotta go have a cigarette and call your aunt Ruth. <laughs> I said, don't leave me in here. Don't leave me. In here. <laughs> I'm, laying, I'm laying in this room. Don't leave. There's pink 
and there's flowers on the wall. Don't leave me in here. God, this this wallpaper's hideous. And Mimi's like, really? The wallpaper's hideous? She's like, I gotta go. I gotta have a cigarette. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm just in there just like twitching, basically. And the nurse comes back and she's like, okay, you're going to the room. You're going to 2025. And I'm like, okay. And I said, well, can I walk? Sure. So I walked and I remember my knees knocking and if you've never seen that before, that's quite a sight. My knees were boom, boom together as I walked down the hall. And so I get in there. She's like, well, here you have to put this gown on. I'm like, okay. And uh, I said, you know how long this is going to take? Because you have swimming tryouts. <laughs> I said, I got I to gotta, I gotta swim meet tomorrow. And she said, you think. I said, and I, and I actually have to run before that. I have like a track meet type thing that I have to do before I get, go to the swim meet. She goes, you think you're going to run tomorrow? Get the gown on. <laughs> I was like, okay. Someone had to tell your ass. She had to tell me. She had to tell me. So I was laying up in the bed and Mimi made all the phone calls to all the people. So from Mimi's standpoint too. My grandmother's favorite thing to say about this day is that actually the rent was due yes. on my birthday. And yes. so she had to call the landlord and say, I can't meet you to give you the rent because I'm at the hospital. Holly's having a baby. I didn't know she was having a baby. Gets into all of that. And then the and landlord was like, I didn't know Holly was having yeah, a baby. Everyone's surprised, obviously. We had only been in that house for like three months because yes. we had downsized to that well, tiny hole. Well, hall. Still, so she, um, and my grandmother actually had just gotten rid of every baby item from my aunt Juliet. Um, so there was Juliet nothing was in the house. Juliet was three, but she had just gotten rid of cribs, bottles, everything. And so, and the land, and my grandmother said, I just realized we don't have any bottles, we don't have diapers, we don't have nothing. So that landlord actually came and brought everything, everything to the house, to yeah. the house. Yeah. diapers, bottles, everything. Yeah. Um, and stuff like Blankets. that. So it's kind of that's one so of I my. I don't even know I'm bringing the baby home in. I don't have a blanket to wrap her in. Yeah, there's like, um, there's like, there's no. That was her little tidbit I had to add as I, things go on. Right. Um, another little thing just to honor, um, my late great grandmother, actually my dad's grandmother. Nana um, mm-hmm. her name's Nana Jeannie. So at this point, I think. Did my Nana Laura know anyone know yet? Your Mimi called her from the hospital. Okay. And she said, I'll go get Andy from school. Because nobody really knew that Andy and I had rendezvoused. Fuck, do you even say that? (laughs) Oh my God, whatever. So my grandmother did know. So I don't know who called my great grandmother. Might have been. No, Nana Jeannie was coming because your uncle was graduating oh my uncle tyrell was graduating high school yes so another little tidbit is my dad has an older brother who's one year older than my mom two years older two older two years older and um he and my mom were also close but and definitely better friends than her and my dad and stuff like that so and i was close with his sister jody well yes okay but i'm trying to tell the sorry point of this so when my nana Jeannie arrived from sacramento area which is about a five-hour drive yes. from um, to the valley. She walked into the hospital and slapped my uncle Tyrell in the face. No, walked into the house because they didn't. Oh, the they were in the hospital. Yeah. Okay. No, sorry. Nana, they, in the house. There's a whole other piece to that. Well, okay. Too, well, she slapped him in the face and, and said, said, "What are you doing here?" Like, <laughs> like no. She said, "How?" Like she said something about like, "What are you doing here?" Um, Why aren't you? What do you think? What were you thinking? Or something like that. And he goes, Nana, it wasn't me. It was Andy. (laughs) And her jaw hit the floor. Yes. Because no one expected that because um, my mom was closer with my Uncle Tyrell. But. Yeah. And he's older and you just assume. Yeah. um, And that probably would have been a better bet of a dad. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mom. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Uncle Tyrell would have been a better bet. um, But yes. So that was a little tidbit I had to add from my. But Point he was like a brother at, to me too. Both of them. What? Well, okay. But anyways. At but but of- just so you know, what happened was Nana Jeannie actually her and and um her sister had come for the graduation and they were actually in the car with Nana on the way to the hospital. And if you know Nana Jeannie, you know so she's So I bombarded super Uncle Tyrell's 
Well, no, because there was a story to that, too. We'll all throw that in in a second. But anyhow, so they were there for graduation. And then they're like, well, take us to this hospital. We've got to get over there. So Nana is coming with Mm -hmm. them and Nana Laura. And Nana Jeannie says, well, Laura, how do we even know that this is Andy's baby? (laughs) And Nana Laura, knowing me, you know, just said, well, and Nana Jeannie said, what if she's promiscuous? Oh, goodness. <laughs> and Nana Laura stopped the car and smacked Nana Jeannie. Oh, Jesus. As she told us. I don't know this is what she told us. She smacked her and told her, how fucking dare you? I am driving you back to the house. You're not going in there. If anybody's promiscuous, it isn't Holly. It's Andy. Yeah. <laughs> and drove her back to the house. And then fast forward a hundred years, Nana Jeannie and I, like, obviously, we've loved each other ever since that day. Mm-hmm. And she loved me more than your dad. Oh, but, <laughs> and, and she, and she loved story. Kenny, she loved Kenny more okay. than your dad. True but anyhow, story. Um, so your uncle Tyrell was supposed to graduate that day, but he left out to the entire family that he didn't pass his English class. And so they prepped a whole graduation for him and... He acted like he was going to graduate and got down there to school. And they were like, you're not graduating today. So that was a whole... So the family was mad about that. They were shocked about you coming into the world. But they were mad that your Uncle Tyrell wasn't going to graduate. So anyways. Yeah. So back to the day of your birth. So yes. The nurse puts me in. All the people come. You know. Um, The sad part. uh, I think the... People have all these birth experiences, you know, and I think it's kind of sad because some of them have affected our family and friends that we have where, you know, women have said, especially at this particular hospital, that they've had bad birth experiences. And I have to say both of mine were good, but yours was um, especially interesting because, like I said, Dr. Batuk, shout out Dr. Batuk. I don't know where you are. You moved to Idaho, but (laughs) you probably will never hear this. (laughs) Let me tell you, he was amazing. So he was our family physician. He saw my stepdad, my mom, delivered Juliet. Like, he he was the doc. Mm -hmm. So, Mimi calls. They say, who's your doctor? And Mimi says, well, it's Dr. Batuk. So, they call over to his office and they say, we have Holly here and she's here delivering a baby. And he said, what? (laughs) (laughs) What what are you talking about? I just gave her a sports physical. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And they said, well, Dr. Batuk, she's here. And his office is across the street from the hospital. So, he ran across and he walked in and he said, Susan, what is going on to Mimi? And Mimi's like, I, I'm sorry, David. This is, I, we don't know. I mean, this, she just told me right now. And so he's shocked. And so he calls his office while he's standing in there and says, cancel the whole day. I'm not leaving here. We have got, Holly's having a baby. This is, this is absurd. I mean, he's in shock. So then the nurse comes in and she's, well, Dr. Batuk, she's dilated before he's, you know, she's given the whole, you know, rundown to him. And she goes, and, and she doesn't have a prenatal panel, and she hasn't done anything, any no prenatal care. And he said, that doesn't matter. I've been her doctor since she was 10. She's fine. And, he, and she says, well, I have to call the social worker. We have to get a social worker involved. And he said, you will not call the social worker. I have known this family for a long time, and you are not going to call a social worker. She doesn't need a social worker. Mm-hmm. And he goes, as a matter of fact, we don't need you. I need another nurse. So they had to give me a different nurse because he got upset. And he threw the chart at her as she went out the door. And that was not his personality. And side note about him, he was only 31 years old and you were his 700th baby to deliver. Jesus. Um, But he was like, Ollie, how did this happen? I mean, he was. And so throughout the whole birth experiences, I'm birthing, laboring, and getting ready to birth you. Nana Laura is crying and Mimi's crying and... He says, looks, takes one look at that. He says to me, Holly, the one thing I need you to know about this is that you have been so courageous. Do you know how much courage it takes? I know what's going on between your mom and your dad and like what's happening in your family. He said, and you know how much courage it takes to go through this and, and keep this to yourself? Like how horrible are we, the adults of your life, to not even stop for a minute to know that this is happening to you? And he said... Laura, Sue, and they said, yeah, if you don't, this girl is about 10 seconds away from admission to a nut house. (laughs) So I need you guys to stop crying. It isn't about you. 
or get out. So they just shut up and stop crying. Um, and then I remember telling the nurse that I was in pain and I needed medication. And now knowing what I know, what a jerk move this nurse did. She brought me four Tylenol. Four Tylenol to take to help with the pain. And I only remember the four Tylenol too because later on Dr. Batuk was like, what did she give you? And I was like, four pills. And then he told me that she had given me Tylenol. And I was like, and he's like, I don't know why she gave that. And, you know, I didn't order that. And, but anyhow, the uh, birth experience was interesting. And uh, I labored and delivered within six hours of arrival. I came in at 10. Catherine was born at four o'clock on the dot. And it was quite the experience. My cousin and my very best cousin, best friend cousin, and Aunt Ruthie arrived after your birth. My stepdad came because they said, is there someone that you want to see? And I said, can you call my stepdad? And he set aside his differences and he brought me flowers. And he came and um, Mimi and Aunt Ruthie made talk had talked about what they thought would be best for me and and you and um that came later that talk but um I think I was scared after I had you I didn't hold you initially because I thought in my head I don't want to get attached to this baby because what if I don't get to keep her or I don't want to keep her or I think I was just trying to detach myself because I was thinking, I'm going to go to college, and this isn't the way I'm going to college. Like, and um, it was So bad. how did that work when, because usually now when I see deliveries, people pull the baby out and set it on the mom. So you just said, yes. don't give her to me? No, what happened was they pulled you out, and I think Dr. Batuk kind of, he just knew, and he, and your nano Do you nana think it's Laura, also because I didn't get prenatal care? They had to, like. No, not uh, at all. Okay. Not at all. They pulled you out. You were healthy, pink, beautiful. It was I mean, you were crying. Everything was perfect. It was like, like no big deal. You were out in four pushes. Like it was nothing. I, and, um, you were long and, you know, and so what happened was Nana Laura cut your cord mm -hmm. and then they handed her, they handed you to her and then her and Mimi held you. Mm. And then like about mm, 30 minutes after that, cause they said, do you want to hold her? And I said, and I just shook my head. No. And I knew you were a girl because right before they took me in into the room, the nurse was like, we have to get an ultrasound to see what, what's going on here. Because if anybody knows anything, which I'm sure our listeners do, you don't go your whole pregnancy without prenatal care. It's horrible. They got to make sure. Well, you one, can, they got to make sure I'm not breaching. Right. And, like, and there's just so many like things, things that yeah. could have gone wrong mm -hmm. that I took. Well, I was 15 but or 16, but took complete like had no knowledge of and how naive and such a risky stupid choice for me to make mm -hmm. because you don't make that decision but I think in my mind this is probably the sad part for me I think in my mind I wasn't prepared for that and I wasn't I was thinking if God took me then that would be okay because I committed the most horrible act by having a baby doing something to have a baby and then not sharing that with someone and I think it was because it wasn't until Mimi Mimi said to me you know Mimi and I have obviously always had our differences sometimes but she said to me Holly you are so brave what you did took courage and Dr. Patuk really drove that home and said you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. I need you to know that. Yeah. You did what you thought was best, protecting your family and your mother from the heartache that you guys were already going through. Yeah. But I think that it was, you know, I thought, and it's looking at you, oh, looking at you now, I and in the days after your birth, like I can't even believe that that thought even crossed my mind that I would have been better off dead Jesus. than, than yeah. owning what happened you know because yeah. I was like I didn't want to bring any heartache to my family I didn't want to bring any 
drama or any, you know, my, my biggest fear was, my God, I have to pile this on my mother. I after one more thing, after all that she's gone through, I have to go tell her that I made this huge mistake. And, you know, and it's sad to say that because you're not a mistake, but it was the act that was so wrong in my mind. Yeah. You know, because I was so young and so naive. But yes, knowing what I know now, it's like, my God, I could have lost my own life. I could have lost you. I could have caused a lot more damage, you know. I'm, yeah. I, but the one thing that I did say was I was so thankful. I just kept thinking I'm doing the right things. I'm healthy. Like when I did find out that I was pregnant, I'm healthy. I'm okay. But I was just so like... Well, you were in denial and not knowledgeable. No, completely in denial. And, and I mean, I grabbed that book and it was crazy because like even in the library, I remember thinking, I don't want anybody to see me because I frequented that library. I didn't want anybody to see me reading a book like that. You know, like yeah. Mimi was in that library. She was going to college at the time. Like all of us would thought like that was the, the place, you know, all the yeah. kids, all the high school kids went to the library because that's where we fucking did our homework. You, you didn't have the internet back then. I mean, they did, but it was like dial up. But anyways, oh um, <laughs> total side note. Um, but anyways, I think that, yeah. So back to the story, cut your court, me, grandma or Nana Laura cut your cord. Her Mimi held you. Aunt Ruthie and Travis showed up, and I loved it because Travis is like, Hall, do you know that we had to stop at every Babies R Us and Toys R Us <laughs> and Target on the way up here from Long Beach? And and Aunt Ruthie, I love this piece because um, if you know Aunt Ruthie, I mean, she's been such a huge part of my life, my whole life. Obviously, she's my aunt, but she's always been such an inspiration to me. One of many of my aunts that are inspirations to me. I have great aunts. Um, but Aunt Ruthie, she she told the story that, that Mimi called her and said, Ruth, Ruth, Holly's having a baby. And this is what I love the most about Aunt Ruthie is Uncle Chuck, too. One, not what I love the most, but one of the things I love about her is Uncle Chuck. And he's so part of our family. And he, even though he's her, like, you know, he's her second marriage, he's not who... She was married to Uncle Jamie, yes. and then she married Uncle mm-hmm. Chuck. But anyways, it was so funny because he she just said, Chuck, go get the baby bassinet down from the garage. <laughs> and that bassinet had been through our family, all of from me all the way up. Had All the other kids had used it, Travis, Greg, Cody, Josh, even Juliet. So it got returned back to Aunt Ruthie because she's been the holder of the bassinet. I think even Jimmy was in it. Um, so it was super funny because Uncle Chuck just did what he was told. Like, he didn't even ask any questions of Aunt Ruthie. Like, why do we need the bassinet? Who needs the bassinet? Why are you going to Visalia? Susan just had a child three years ago. Like, none of those things. He just did what was told and he knew. And Aunt Ruthie didn't ask any questions. She just got in the car and drove. Her Travis, come on. And her and Travis came. And, um, but it was sweet because part of that story, as you know, is that Aunt Ruthie felt that she, she's always been one of Mimi's grounding um, people. Aunt Nana and Aunt Ruthie have always, you know, they're Mimi's best friends since kindergarten, and they've always been her grounding, her foundation, I guess. And <clears throat> she wanted to give me, she told Mimi, I need to, you to, we need to give Holly every option available to her because of everything she's been through, we need to know, does she want to give the baby up for adoption or does she want to keep the baby? But we need to make sure that we do this the right way and, and, and place, if we're going to, if we're going to place the baby, then we need to place the baby with a proper agency. And, um, so her and Mimi started putting in phone calls to adoption agencies and Aunt Ruthie said, you're going to meet with these adoption agencies because we need to make sure we're giving you every opportunity to be the person you want to be. Because you can't, if you do want to keep her, you can't be who you want to be. for, And you can't be good for her if you don't do the right things. So maybe that includes you giving her up for adoption. Maybe it includes you giving her or keeping her. But whatever that means, we have to do what's right for you and what's right for her. And I said, okay. And so I held you after about 30 minutes and Aunt Ruthie had told me all that. And... The next day, when I left the hospital, there was an adoption agency lady from Sacramento 
in my house. Mm-hmm. And Mimi said, I said, I'm not giving up my baby. And she said, you don't have to, but we have to take a long look at this. And we have to let this sit for a while. And so the lady was very kind. She was very sweet. I mean, the people that she had resumes of that wanted children were everything from neurosurgeons to New York symphony orchestra people. I mean, anything and everything you can imagine. People who just longed for children and had these elaborate resumes. Um, some of them had kids, some didn't, some were older, some were younger. I mean, just everything. And they said, she said, they will pay for you to go to school. They'll buy you a car. They'll buy you a home. You'll have an open adoption. And I said, I don't need these people to buy me anything. You're, are you trying to buy my baby? And she said, no, but I just want you to know that that's one of the things mm-hmm. that can be included. And this sounds so horrible, but she said, and you realize you have a redheaded, blue-eyed child. Like, that is, like, what everybody wants. And I was like, and Mimi was like, excuse me? Like, because you were born with black hair, like Nana Laura, your Indian side came out. And, but then, like, shortly thereafter, like, the next day it was like that hair turned fire engine red. But it was super, and I was like, and Mimi said, Holly, we have to at least look at these. And I said, fine, I'll look at them. And it took me about three weeks of looking, every every week Mimi would be like, okay, let's pull five out of the pile and look at them. Let's, you know, she was like, you have to pick one. At least narrow it down. And I was like, oh my god, okay, fine. I would cry every time. I thought I, you already knew you weren't giving me up I did. when you lost the, left the hospital. I did know it. You do know it. Well, I meant like, I thought it was already, I thought everything happened at the hospital. No, 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 no. It happened the next day. And then it happened for about three weeks after that we carried these resumes. Because when did Aunt Ruthie moved. offer? Aunt Ruthie offered that day. So, that, or the next day. So, we were at the house and that's when she said, Holly, um, I've talked to Uncle Chuck and, you know, I will take this baby. She said, we would love to raise her and be a part of her life. And we'll give her back to you. But we want you to go to college. And so we'll raise her till she's five. And we'll give her back to you when she's five. And I said, no. <laughs> she said, I said, hey, Ruthie. She said, no, I'm just saying that that's also an option. We're family. Like, you don't have to question that. And Aunt Ruthie always wanted a girl. And then you would have fit in perfect because the little red hair, blue eyed, pale thing. Because that's what her family looks like. But, and it looks like her. <laughs> but, I mean, Aunt Ruthie just, I mean, in so many words was like, just, like, if that is an option to you. And I would have totally felt safe doing that if I knew I was headed right for college. Like, maybe had I been, like, a senior in high school and, like, okay, this is the determining factor of, like, I'm going to school or I'm not. Then I probably would have. But I was only a sophomore finishing my sophomore going into my junior so I felt like we can figure this out and Mimi was very she came forward she said you know what we're not going to do this I've talked to a bunch of people I've confided in my friends and family and and we're not going to do this we're going to keep this baby and I think I knew all I know I knew but she needed to give me that reassurance mm-hmm. as your we mom were, yes that we were going to be okay it's kind of like if you brought a puppy home and it's like right <laughs> And then oh you, God, you, well, I meant like it. you want the <laughs> dog, and right. now you just have to convince your parents they want the dog too. <laughs> yes, Catherine, I need I to I strongly my relate to that. No, I'm just anyway, kidding. Yeah, don't you know? Um, um, not really, but yes, but we did hold on to those adoption profiles because Mimi was like, she didn't want me to make a rash decision. And so that's why every week we would talk about it and we'd look through a couple. She'd make me narrow one down that week. I mean, we even narrowed it down to, I think, three. Mm-hmm. I think that was the number. And I just, every time I'd look, I'd just bawl. I'd just bawl and bawl and bawl. And she'd cry. And then when we moved to our bigger house after that, because she was like, we cannot stay here. We have a baby. Like, this house is horrible. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it really was, as you've seen it. Um, so when we moved to our big house, she was like, we are throwing these in the damn fireplace. And she called the lady and she said, we're not giving up my granddaughter for adoption thank you for your time take care and hung up the phone and that was the end of that there was no more well now it's properly placing it's called placing 
No, I'm just saying that oh, positive is. term, it's more to be a positive and endearing term is placing your baby up for adoption uh-huh. instead of giving up. Because giving up has negative connotation to it. I would have really liked the, the word placing. Well, I'm just saying that that's a, that's a new thing now, especially like if we want to give, um, open it up to the fact that like the teen mom show, like yeah. Caitlin and Tyler, yeah. they are very big advocates because they did place their child yes. for adoption. Yes. And I think that that would have been an amazing thing. And, it and I think that they, like, imagine though that your life would have been successful. Like, like I sometimes like think about, I mean, I've never been close to being a teen mom, but, um, I think, think about like, I want, and they have spoken about if they would have known that this show was going to continue on and right. know if you knew what you were going to know five oh, years later, yes. no, I'm saying like, if she would, they would have known, they probably made, wouldn't yes. have placed their baby up for adoption, but, right. but they also, but it was like showed how much of a mature and smart decision for their for lives sure. because their lives could have continued in the yes, direction. It and was. I think adoption is amazing. I no, would yeah. consider adopting now if I wasn't old and falling apart like I am. Oh my God. But just Madison me. doesn't want any siblings. <laughs> Madison doesn't want any siblings. Um, but in all, but uh, no, but if that was ever presented and to me, then I would absolutely do that. Um, I think adoption is wonderful. It's beautiful. I think if you can have kids, you can have kids. Children are a blessing and it yeah. doesn't matter what, how you get them. So you chose to have me, blah, blah, yep. blah, blah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the sorry, rest is history. No, the it's okay. History, the rest I... is history. So how did it feel to be a teen mom? Stressful. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever looked at myself as a teen mom. I know, but looking back, compare yourself to being a teen mom versus being a mom at 28. Well, I feel like your 28-year-old situation was still stressful. <laughs> but um, No, no, uh, definitely stressful because you, you lack security as a teen mom. You know, there were no, there was no welfare for teen moms when I was young. Is welfare even a term that sounds terrible? There was no public assistance for teen mothers when I became a teen mom. But not even just that, but like overall emotionally. Emotionally, I think, you know, I am the person who is a fixer. I'm a doer. I'm a problem solver. So by nature, I just looked at it as another thing to add to my list of things to do. Yeah. I mean, as sad as that is to say, it's not. Well, it just becomes your identity it becomes your almost. Identity. Like my, I am very much like when the shit hits the fan, keep moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Because I never looked at you as a barrier. I said, you know what? This is my life and my life decisions will always be, always be based with Catherine. Yeah. Like you're my partner in crime. You weren't my friend because I'm definitely, I don't think you've ever considered me your friend. I I'm do now. Mom. Now. Bitch. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what up, bitches? I no. don't need to be raised no more, motherfucker. Oh, you've no, been saying kidding. that since you were five. <laughs> um, no, tell me that. No, um, but, but okay. I think it was, it's challenging. But yeah. I was head on, dead set to do it on my own. Mimi was very firm about, as you know, bad as this sounds, she was very firm about, like, that's your kid, you better raise her. You know, so she didn't change diapers, she didn't hold you, she didn't babysit you without me paying her. There was a lot of, like, like it was like, this is your choice, this is your responsibility. Yes, Mimi was supportive, mm-hmm. and all, all the time I didn't have to pay her, but majority of the time I did. And, you know, for a reason, I think. Yeah. I mean, well, never that res- I've ever been under. Taught unre- you responsibility res- and but I was a way to not be reliant yeah. on other people. Yeah, and I didn't. I rode the bus wherever I needed to go. I walked. I pushed groceries in your stroller. I did what I had to do. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story, at least in my birth. I think yeah. along the line more of the teen mom or, like, life will come out. But I think yeah. a good kickstart on to become, being a teen mom, becoming a teen mom was right. good. So my last question for you is, if you could, would you change anything? About being a teen mom? About my, like, the whole experience from being 16 oh, and pregnant on. I wish on. that I would have even just had two more years on my age, too. To to already be 18 to have had that happen to mm. me. I think because... You would just change your age slightly. Yeah. Like, you'd be fine with being a teen mom, just it'd be a little bit old, tiny bit older. Yes, because I don't think that, I mean, I was never interested in, I don't, who's going to date me now that I have a teen, a baby? I was never interested in, um, you know, how am I going to get to work? Like, I just, any barrier that I ever faced, I just took head on. And I think that's, like, the most 
that's the best thing that happened to me was I didn't, you were never a barrier for me. Like, I was like, this is it. Now there's two yeah. bitches. Like, two. We're going to do this. And I now got we're to go two to work, bitches. And Catherine's going to the daycare. Like, yeah. you know, like the challenges were there. Were they hard? Were times hard? Yes. Times were hard. And those are later stories for another yes, day. But definitely. times were definitely hard. But I always provided for you. And um, I never looked at it as like, that inhibit you inhibited me from anything or having a child inhibited me from anything because I truly believe and I know because I've set goals in my life and I have accomplished them and I've done it with all the barriers with yeah. even more kids than just you one kid plus my brothers oh goodness <laughs> so yeah. other stories for other, other times stories but for other times, I but appreciate no. you telling your story to oh, our listeners you. yes I didn't think you would cry. Oh, I didn't think I would cry either. That's kind of weird. We talk about this all the time. But I know, but I don't think I've ever said it like that. No, definitely. I don't think you're going to cry. Maybe tear up. But I also have false eyelashes, so I have... <laughs> I just hit the 24-hour mark. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. Kidding. Jesus. No, I always... See, that's my coping mechanism. I have to make some kind of funniness. Um, but yeah, so I appreciate it, and we hope that our listeners enjoy, and uh, we're going to continue to talk about her life as a teen mom like the later on years yeah. um my birth was traumatic enough for one episode <laughs> that we don't have to it was a great experience and i was no. gonna say dr lake or i mean dr lake that was maddie's doctor dr batuk it was super cool side note totally funny that like he was so worried about me mm-hmm. that he lives in three rivers which is about 25 minutes from where we live and he went home on, after you were born obviously you're born at four so he was like good got to go five o'clock he was out of there he went home, and at 2 in the morning, I get this, like, shuffling in my room. I'm like, and the light comes on, and it's him in teddy bear slippers. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like, I couldn't. He grabbed the chair and sat next to me. He's like, I couldn't sleep. I drove all the way back here because I just, I wanted to check on you. Like, are you okay? Like, he's like, this baby is beautiful, Holly. You did a damn good job. And I was like thank you like it was so awkward but he was so amazing and i think that that is one of the reasons why things went the way they went that day yeah without him i do i'm i mean really like shout out to dr batuk because he was an amazing person where we are yes who literally changed the course of our day and our lives that day if he would not have been that supportive i think that could have gone an entirely different way yeah for sure all right all right well we'll see you guys in our next episode or you'll you'll hear us in our next episode hope you like and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast